The reduction of the V8 sales can help holistic healing hour with your host and moderator or me, Grandpa Bill. Welcome one and all. Some buyer invite, ubiquitous audience, one and all. However you got here, thanks for doing so. And thank you for continuing to pay it forward. We are growing exponentially with your help. And it's definitely indicative of provocative guests, much like my next guest, Crystal. And Crystal, you can nod your head right here for a second. Is it Fideli on the last name? Am I saying that right? We, we probably should end the show right there for those of you that follow the shows and know how I have a propensity of kind of messing up everybody's name, sometimes my own. But hey, that's a good start. So for those of you that may have already joined the show before, some of you coming back to hear this taping, whatever it may be, I did, uh, you know, repeat her bio earlier in a prelude show, but I'm going to repeat it here in the opening just to protect whomever may not have heard it. And redundancy is good for all of us. For those of you that, uh, you know, may have heard it, you can hear it again. It's great because it's a great bio. So verbatim, Crystal is an international alcohol recovery coach. She helps women to heal their relationship with alcohol go from alcohol-reeking habit in their lives to gaining total power over alcohol so they can finally be free to live the life God had for them on the other side. Through coaching services and speaking, Crystal helps learn all the different paths of recovery available to them, discover their goals, not anyone else's goals, their goals with alcohol, and connect with the path of recovery that best aligns with their goals, connect to all they need to accomplish their goals, and truly forgive and release all of those who have caused them harm along their journey of fighting to recover what they are meant for. Crystal has an MA, and she'll expand upon this in a moment, in research and analysis, an MA in child advocacy and policy, with a child public welfare concentration capitalized for a reason. It's important. Capital C on child, capital P on public, W on welfare concentration. It's important to emphasize that. And 10 plus years of experience working in the addiction and trauma recovery field. She is obsessed with helping her clients all around the world heal their relationship with themselves and her gift to all audiences, hers, ours, and mine, and ubiquitous audience, again, one and all, please, her website, www.crystalfideli.com backslash three-way store claim your power over alcohol. Don't worry about that. I'll put it in the description of today's show. And again, and momentarily, she's about to expand upon that. And I think that's a perfect way to segue in and welcome. Crystal, thank you so much for being here. And please introduce us to yourself, your program, what you are doing for women, what you have done for women. We'll hear it all. Thank you for being here. It's such an important topic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's um, our pleasure. Yeah, so you, um, you basically covered it all, all I do. Um, I'm an alcohol recovery coach, and my mission is really to help women reclaim their power over alcohol, heal their relationship with alcohol, you know, just go from alcohol completely wreaking havoc in their lives to gaining total power over alcohol because God has an amazing life for them on the other side. And we just got to we gotta break free, right? And we got to gain total power over alcohol. So. Now, if if it's not too, you know, invasive or whatever, did you indeed 
grow up in an environment where alcohol was prevalent? And did you perhaps have issues with it yourself or neither of the two? Yeah, so I didn't grow up with um, a parent who, you know, suffered from it, uh, like, all day, every day, kind of up in my, you know, environment. Um, you know, I I come from, I guess, a broken home, so there were a lot of other things happening, though. <laughs> but, um, when it comes to alcohol, my one parent did suffer from alcohol wreaking havoc in their life. I think they had like three DUIs or something like that. Um, but I, it didn't really affect me much, but I only visited that parent every other weekend and two weeks in the summer. Right. So I did remember, you know, their spouse kind of driving them everywhere and them not being able to drive, um, yeah, I didn't really, it didn't really affect me. So. so, so you were blessed that you didn't experience it yourself as as an individual. God bless you for that. But conti continue. So, was it because of your family experience that you segued into what you're doing and how you're doing it, or how did you segue into what you're doing and how you're doing yeah, it? Of course. So, I guess I'll share my story. Um, so yeah, so basically, um, you know, I started to, it, so it's my own personal experience, but is it because of my family? Well, yes, I guess like inadvertently, right? Because I do believe, um, that alcohol use disorder is a disorder of your neurochemistry. So you know, just like someone can be born, for example, with, I always use this example, but like a disordered inner ear, right? And so they have a hearing loss and they need a hearing aid of some sort to help them hear. I believe it's the same for someone who suffers from alcohol wreaking havoc in their life and who literally is powerless <laughs> to borrow some AA language, but literally who is powerless to stop. Um, so, so yeah, so my story, so I basically started drinking alcohol just because it was the socially normal thing to do, right? It's like a part Correct. of our culture, like eating chocolate cake. <laughs> you know? So I, you know, college parties, I started to drink, um, and it was really fun, like drinking games and drinking with your friends, really fun. <laughs> um, but after a few years, I really started to notice that alcohol began to completely wreak havoc in my life, personally, right. on my health, um, socially, professionally, so much more. I lost a job because of it. I uh, was kicked out of prestigious, uh, excuse me, I was kicked out of a prestigious university because of it. Um, there was just so many things that happened. And so I sought help. I sought help from therapy. I, my pastor, I went up to church after service for prayer. I journaled, praying God, begging for the answer. I had an accountability partner. I went to support groups such as AA and Celebrate Recovery. I went to doctors like I am that person that when there is an issue, I'm going to find the answer and I'm not putting it down until I fix it. Right. right, right. So I tried to solve it for nearly a decade. I, you know, really tried to solve it. And, you know, everyone always had one answer for me and one answer only. And that is if I can't moderate my consumption of alcohol through sheer willpower, mind you, then the only option for me was to be sober or abstinent um, and through sheer willpower. And if I didn't 
do that, right? If I wasn't able to remain abstinent or sober, then I was choosing to drink and it was my fault, whatever consequences came because I was choosing to drink, right? According to them. Um, and so I just, you know, I really tried earnestly, like, but I failed miserably every single time, every single time. I mean, there were times where I was able to go a few months. I think I even got to like six months, maybe a year once of not drinking, but I mean, the strong cravings and obsessive thoughts for alcohol were just constant and debilitating. And I eventually gave in every single time and I picked up my drinking right where I left off. Um, and then here's the turning point though, uh, sort of, it's going to get a little rough again, but, um, so basically I was researching and I was just trying to find a way to really recover. I mean, I'm, I was suffering for nearly a decade at this point, almost 10 years. And so I came across this alternative way and an alternative paths, you know, to recovery. And I just, I watched this, um, this TED talk and the speaker was just claiming to have found the cure to alcoholism. And I, I was just like, you know what, this is way too good to be true. Like, but then I was like to myself, I said, you know, if I don't try it, it's not going to work. But if I try it, it might work. And I was just, in, I was so discouraged and that I was just really struggling to believe that this was like, could be true. I mean, it sounded too good to be true. Um, so I, you would think that that would be my happily ever after, but it wasn't. I, I went to my doctor because I needed uh, my doctor to try alternative ways. And, um, they basically, like I explained everything I just explained to you. And the doctor basically just answered me by trying to counsel me to moderate my drinking, to keep a drink log. And after you've had a drink or two, just stop. Like you don't need to keep going. And I'm just like, I literally just told you I tried that. I've been trying this for nearly a decade and it's not working. Um, and I want to try an alternative way. And I actually insisted on speaking to a doctor that was a little higher up in the practice. And so the clinical director walked in and the clinical director basically said to me that she thought I was trying to go through the back door for treatment. Uh, so then I went to another doctor and that doctor basically told me that I was trying to be my own doctor and treat myself. And then I went to another doctor's office and they told me uh, that they wouldn't prescribe me anything and that I just need to get out of their office. And I was so discouraged because I, I just, I had no, I had nothing else but this to try. And so I, um, I eventually found a doctor who would, you know, explore alternative routes to treatment with me. Um, now I was a single mom at the time and uh, now I'm married with two kids, but my first was from a prior relationship and her bio father told me that if I went through with my pregnancy, I'd be on my own. So I went through with my pregnancy and I was on my own completely, you know, hence my nonprofit that I started, which is completely different than this, but I help single moms who are financially struggling to afford basic necessities, totally separate from this, but, um, but yeah. And so I had to, this doctor didn't take health insurance, didn't take even my health insurance, um, nor any health insurance, excuse me. And so I had to pay them out of pocket. So I robbed Peter to pay Paul. I took for my rent and I paid this doctor out of pocket, but I got what I needed and I got what I needed very, very easily. And, um, it was really scary because I was completely on my own. I had no support, but I had researched this. And so I 
you know, I tried it and I got better literally in two to three months. Now, of course, there were wrinkles along the way that I had to iron out, things I had to troubleshoot, and I had to figure it out on my own. And it was very hard. But it's very hard. It's, it's very that, hard. It, it's very hard to do that yeah. type of a thing alone. It, it's very it hard. <laughs> Continue. But the thing is, is that I was able to figure it out and Correct. I was able Correct. to push through. And so, um, so yeah. And so basically I've been better ever since. Um, and I am totally a proponent of alternative routes to recovery. Um, and I'm just really super passionate about what I do in this subject. That's why I created my program. That's why I do the work that I do. Um, so yeah, that's basically my story. And, you know, I just really learned that, you know, our system, we have this cultural ideology um, that if somebody is an alcoholic, they're an addict, right? And when I talk about, you know, substance use disorder, I'm, I focus on alcohol because that's where I'm the expert on. Um, you know, but I mean, we just, we call people addicts. We, we, we say that they're choosing this, um, that they, they don't care about their kids. They don't care about their lives, their careers, their society at large. They're, they're terrible people. Um, they're immoral if they, they don't stop or control their substance use. And, um, you know, and so we tell them you either have to moderate, and if you can't do that, then you have to um, abstain or be sober through sheer willpower. And that is also coupled with these statistics. So out of all the people who suffer from alcohol wreaking havoc in their lives, only 10 out of 100 will even seek help. That means that 90% of people will never seek help. Only 10% will seek help. And it takes those 10% on average 10 years before they even seek help. It's a long time. Um, and then only one out of those 10 will be successful in gaining total power over alcohol. And then, of course, out of that, so we have 1% that are truly able to recover with our current understanding and our current approach. And I just think that at a certain point, when you have data that atrocious, Maybe we need to stop gaslighting the people who are suffering and we need to admit that maybe the system is failing them. Now, I'm Miss Personal Responsibility over here, but when you have data like that, something's wrong. Something's off. Especially when it's validated, which it is, which it is, which it is. I want to make that emphatically clear. When it's valid data, it's hard to dispute data. And mm -hmm. I mean, you can't. You can't. To your earlier point, you can't. You can't argue with What's before your eyes, if your eyes are open to see it? And not even data, but like I always say, I'm a part of the 1% in spite of our current treatment system. So, like, I'm your living proof. <laughs> I'm your story, right? I, I am that as we, as we exchanged in the green room, and most of my audience knows about my background or whatever. We're, we're, we're living proof. We're living proof. And to your point about taking a really long time or whatever for the light to come on sometimes, and if you don't get the proper channels and all of it, all of it, you will take it to your grave and it will probably help getting you, putting you to your grave a lot sooner if you have that degree of severity where you get in that vortex of the only person you're kidding is yourself. If if you're in that if you're in that vortex you you got it bad you got it bad you got it bad 
but there is hope and there is results, obviously. And we're not the only two. We're not the only two. So COVID, when it struck its evil head, obviously the consumption of lots of things went up probably for the wrong reasons or whatever. But how did you find your practice at that time? Obviously, an increase in a percentile of the problem rearing its ugly head or, or not so much because everybody was behind closed doors. Because there was such a ludicrousy of, the, of a bad situation where a lot of good things happened through that adversity, if I'm making any sense at all. So did people reach out more so in that time frame because the light was coming on? Or were they getting mired more and more in that vortex in your experience of? Yeah, so COVID definitely was an interesting time, right? Because a lot of people were, um, depending on where you lived, uh, what government you were under, um, you know, you were forced to kind of stay in your house. And of course, I guess liquor stores were essential. And so they were kept open, um, you know, and so I think it exacerbated a lot of issues like domestic violence, unfortunately, child abuse. So unfortunately, um, you know, substance use. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I can't say that more people reached out for help. No. Um, and, and the thing about it is, is because, you know, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm creating a movement. Like I, I yeah. am totally, nobody talks about alcohol recovery. Like I talk about it. Um, it's very, very different. Yeah. I mean, there are some people and I know them, well, but there are, there are, but not yeah. enough, not enough. So again, thank you of, for, yeah, again, thank you for what you do. Continue, continue, continue. Yeah, continue. I, I, this is just saying, I'm sorry, so, I broke I broke your train of thought a little bit. Continue, continue. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a delay. Um, but yeah, no, um, you know, there's some people who talk about it like I talk about it, but it, it, this is, you know, it's really the minority. And, you know, that's kind of why I do also what I do about, you know, going around and speaking. I'm, I'm starting to take that really seriously now, going on podcasts really seriously, because I'm like, you know what, this this message needs to get out. Like I need to create more impact. Like this is just beyond my practice and my business. And who knows, maybe, maybe I will grow this to be like the, the leading, you know, way. And then others will kind of copy my that'd business. Be, that'd model. be so beautiful. That'd be so beautiful. That would be it so would beautiful. Be, you know why? Because the methods that I'm talking about flip that 99% failure rate on its head. All right. So there are multiple alternative, um, you know, routes to recovery and one for which all the clinical trials demonstrated a 78% success rate um, with a potential to have an 89% success rate. And for that remaining 11%, there are multiple other routes to recovery. So I would much rather go with the way that I do it because that's much better data than a 99% failure rate or on the flip side of that, right? A 1% success rate. So, you know, what I'm trying to do to answer your question is I'm just trying to get, you know, this message out more that, hey, listen, abstinence, sobriety, if you can't moderate through nothing but sheer willpower is being stuck in a 1930s mentality of two gentlemen that were trying to do good for their community, right? They were trying to do a good thing by treating Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm so grateful for them because they were able to help many people. Now it happens to be only 1% of people, but thank God he was, they were able to help those 1%. And now we're in 2023 and the science has advanced. And all I'm saying is, is that, Hey y'all, like, you know, let's, what's, what's our goal to be right or to help people. 
because I'm to help people. Again, a quick interjection in God bless AA, just like the young lady said. Please understand that this is not an aspersion to AA. It did not work for myself, the 12-step thing, with with no aspersions against that program. didn't work because I didn't allow it to work at the time, number one. But in and of itself, in all honesty, it wouldn't have worked for me. I needed to discover so much more. So understand when I say that about AA, it's saved many lives for sure, for sure, for sure. But it is 2023, damn near 2024 now when you stop and think about it. So continue, continue. Yeah, no, it's definitely. And and some of my clients, like that's one of the tools that we use is Alcoholics Anonymous. Some people want to be abstinent. They want to be Exactly, exactly. Quite honestly, I mean, alcohol is a poison. Oh, no, no, no doubt. No you know, no. Do, do find that they just feel better overall. Um, of course, I mean, I really enjoy a nice glass of red wine. I only like the expensive kind, though, like cheap. I'll, I'll pass, you know, a nice cold one when I'm, you know, watching football, right? It's football season and I enjoy it. Right. But, you know, overall, I don't really I don't drink alcohol on the regular. But the, the point is, is that it's coming from a place of truly making that choice whereas before it was white knuckling and i wasn't able to because i was medium to high probably if i'm being really honest like i was breaking the dial i was going extra high on the spectrum about of suffering from alcohol wreaking havoc in my life and so i was not you know if i went into a place where there was alcohol like it would just be like oh my gosh there's alcohol i need to get some uh, you know and it was just like feeding for it or oh i can't have alcohol and it just all day every single day obsessive thoughts and cravings for alcohol now i'm completely free of them i have no cravings or obsessive thoughts that, for alcohol. that's when you know you're there because i and, and god loves the people that know you know hey this guy's got a problem or, or whatever <laughs> but you may not and, and god loved them because they would ask hey you know we're gonna have some beers or we're gonna watch the game are you gonna be are you gonna be okay with that well, and it's not funny because there was a time that, no, I'm not going to be okay with that. Pass one over. What are you talking about? Or whatever, or whatever. But when you get to that point and it's like, a, a, hey, have fun. Because there are people who can drink sociably and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that when you have it in control. Those that do so anyway, when you are comfortable in the atmosphere and you know that you're comfortable and have at it, have at it. And no, I'm not going to run out. And, you know, Days of Wine and Roses, a great movie way back. Jack Lemmon, way, way back. And that's terrible. If I'm not sure if you know about that movie, but it's an old one. But he had it really, really bad in the movie. And I mean, he broke into a liquor store and all of that. But I mean, he had it bad and he got and he recovered, you know, in the movie, in the movie. But anyway. It was kind of a real depiction of what it can be and, and what it is. It's we, we talked about that in the green room a little bit. You don't compare anything, heroin, cocaine, whatever. They're, they're all crazy. But alcohol might be right up there as one of the most insidious ones ever to come in the presence of mankind, in my humble opinion. <laughs> continue, continue. And do segue, not to rush you, but make sure you segue into your website, what's available to those that need it, and uh, continue. Yeah, of course. Um, 
Yeah. So hmm, what else, what else should I share? Um, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's no different than if you have a diagnosis of, I hate to bring it up, but like cancer or something or right. a, a hearing loss. Like, honestly, it just, there's like, don't be shameful about it. And, and I know here I am saying this and I have the information that I have, I have, you know, so, so basically, well, here we go. Let me finish my story. So yeah, please do. basically I, um, you know, I, I found my alternative um, route to recovery and I got better in literally two to three months. And, um, you know, then I went on to earn my two graduate degrees and one, one is in research and analysis. The Correct. other one is in advocacy and policy, but to make policy prescriptions, it should be based off of research, not opinion or tradition, I agree. Which, by the way, is what our alcohol recovery system is based off of right now. So it's based off of tradition and opinion. It's a practice-based approach instead of an evidence-based approach, with it, which is based on research, which research, I always say, is just a fancy word for what works for the most amount of people, the most amount of times in the best way, right? Exactly. And of course, with research, there's always outliers, and but it kind of it really gives us a better a guide of how to help people the best way, the most amount of time and the most amount of people. So anyway, so I earned my two graduate degrees and I focused all of my research on the subject of alcohol recovery, evidence-based ways, like how, what is the true root cause? And therefore, you know, what, um, how can we truly, truly help? And you know, that's when I realized, holy moly, like, you know, I was right, you know, because I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord. I believe that I have God living inside me, the Holy Spirit, who, you know, gives me information that is just beyond my time that I don't even know about. And back in the early part of my decade of suffering from alcohol wreaking havoc in my life, I just always knew I had this deep inner knowing that something was wrong giving up alcohol for the rest of my life and never being able to touch it again like not even have a dessert that had alcohol in it and i'm italian i love my tiramisu and it has coffee liqueur in it right and so i just and, I, and my penne vodka right vodka is used to make the sauce but i just had this knowing that something was off something was right and i told god i said god i want to be able to drink like a normal person and enjoy a glass of wine like i don't want to be this person who has to abstain from something i'm so anyways i just knew and then i you know discovered all the data all the research um and i'm like oh my gosh like how does nobody else know about this so Anyways, if you're, I would say to anybody who's listening to this, if you are struggling with alcohol wreaking havoc in your life, it is no different than if you are suffering from a cancer diagnosis or, um, I don't know, like a heart condition or, or a hearing loss or something. You just need specific interventions from somebody who knows what they are <laughs> and, um, it is so easy to get better. Like it is literally so freaking easy to recover from alcohol wreaking havoc in your life if you want to there's two paths do you want to moderate do you want to abstain um and if you want to abstain you may have to moderate until you abstain because of just how it works and obviously i can't get into all that now because we don't have all the time it's involved it's involved there's chemistry there's all kinds of crazy stuff continue yeah but it's just um it's what what do you want because it's possible you know and so 
you know, that's where I guess maybe I can direct your audience to. Um, I do have a completely complimentary resource. It's just Please. my gift to you. It's called Three Ways to Reclaim Your Power Over Alcohol. And you can go and download it. It's completely complimentary. Um, crystalfideli.com forward slash the number three ways to reclaim your power over alcohol. And I think I sent you the link. So I'm sure you'll share you that out you did and i'll put that in the description but 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 for sure go to that website please everybody and it will be in the description of the show continue yeah no definitely and you know if you want support you can book another complimentary breakthrough call with me i'm thinking of renaming it a healing call i just i was praying today and i just felt that but we'll see but anyways it's all over my website if you go to crystalfidelity.com work with me buttons just click one schedule a call it's completely complimentary and you know we can talk about where you're at and see if i can support you and if so like how i can support you if we're a good fit and if so awesome if not no worries i will always leave you with something some resource um and so so yeah but we can continue talking if you want but i just wanted to share that um you know it really is wonderful no, that's wonderful i want to make sure that everybody is about that information so thank you for thank you for doing that and social media, social media presence. If you know, we want to make sure that they have all avenues. Take yeah, it away. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, so I'm across like most platforms. Um, I always say I'm like the worst millennial because like I'm not that great with my social media. But um, I uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and Pinterest. And of course, if you're in my neighborhood next door, but if you're international, obviously that won't work. But it's um, right, right, Crystal right. Fidelity Ministries. Awesome. So, yeah. So you, got so, the, you got the gamut covered in social media. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's important to have as many avenues of exposure with an important message, in my humble opinion. So good for you that you have that. So here's what I'd love to do as we're approaching segueing out, not to, not to rush you by any means. You certainly have an invite to come back to your own discretion anytime. With schedules, it's a it's a never-ending subject for sure. But where the world's at right now and the precipice of it all, and some people are, you know, really traumatized by it, upset, fear factor, all of the above. But, <clears throat> pardon me, where it is at a precipice, I'm of the belief that Given the opportunity to do so, it can be such a really good thing for the planet, the people, the world. It's time to give ourselves all a boot in the posterior on so on so many things. It's just broken. It's it's just broken. <laughs> so that's kind of my side of life. But to make it fair and balanced or whatever, what, what would you say to people that are maybe struggling with it? Or what's your viewpoint on the way it is right now and the way that it can be? In your humble opinion, um, alcohol, 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 alcohol recovery. recovery. Yeah. yeah, specifically, specifically, especially now that it may be a little bit more frightening, or it can be easier for those that are still fighting it, if you're still there, to find that as yet another excuse. So certainly for those that are under the umbrella or the ownership of alcohol. But in general, John Q. Public around the world, what would be your advice? And and most assuredly, those that are battling alcohol to stay vigilant, we're trying to fight it with what's going on. So a little bit of both, if you will. What would you say for all of us? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that 
everything you have ever heard about alcohol, you're, you're struggling with it or everything that's ever been said to you about you and, and your experience, your choosing it you're not willing to admit yet like all that kind of language it's 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 it comes from a place of people not knowing the truth you know one of the things i say one of the cornerstone scriptures of my business is i think it's romans not john i think it's romans romans eight thirty two. um that if you know the truth that the truth will set you free and actually i like the passion translation a little bit better because it translates the scripture to say, if you accept the truth, the truth, then true freedom will be released into your life. And so the the reason why we have a 99% failure rate is because people don't know the truth. And then I've also experienced in my life, like I even have friends today who will still try to argue with me. <laughs> Cause I don't argue about it anymore. Like I just, I have a completely different mindset. Like I am an undefended queen and you know, it, it, what I say like is, and I'm not willing to argue. <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, that alcohol wreaking havoc in someone's life, that it has nothing to do with genetics and that it is somebody's choice. Now the research it doesn't support that. And I think the the outcome of our recovery system, I mean, come on, that's the belief that is coupled with a 99% failure rate. So it's like, you know, and so it's like, it's, it's really sad for me, you know, because like even one of my really good friends just said that to me a couple of weeks ago. And I was grateful for it in a way because it gave me free content to submit, you know, a media publication to be published in the media. You know, it's great content, but you know, it's really sad because I just feel bad for all the people that will encounter her in church, you know, um, who come with that issue, um, you know, because like this person was actually my accountability partner um, that did not work. It didn't work. Someone trying to hold me accountable to control my alcohol consumption or to not drink at all. Right. right. Um, and so I just feel really bad for the people who are going to come with that specific need and try to get help from her because she's not operating under the truth. And so she can't help, you know, direct people in a true path right. of freedom. Right. And that's just kind of what I said to her. Like, I don't need to argue with you. I just feel like really bad for you. And, and because also she saw me suffer for nearly a decade under that ideology, but then she also saw me get better in two to three months and be better ever since under what I'm talking about. And it's like, it's, it's, it's right before her and she still refuses to accept the truth. And so anyways, you know, it just, my point that, being, That's an impact. I'm sorry. That's an impasse that's really tough. You do, unfortunately, not like walk away from them friendship-wise or anything yeah. like that, but walk away from that situation because sometimes you do just have to throw your hands up in the air. And it, it's, as you well know, there's so much of it that until you convince yourself of anything, with a lot of help, but until you convince yourself of anything, a dear friend, your mother, your spouse your brother, your cousin, somebody you work with or whatever, even they can't penetrate you if you don't allow it and hear your own demons if it's alcohol. But yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, oh, the three monkeys way back when or whatever, whatever. Yeah, you just but, kind of have to, it's like, well, what am I going to do with that? Like, am I going to sit there and try to convince her, try, try to, you know, reason with her logically? No, it's and not. Then in this, and then in this crazy world, not so much yourself, but that's when it gets out of control and it gets negative and it gets to someplace crazy and, you know, what does that People say? are sovereign human beings who have a choice to believe what they want and not and it's sad because other people will suffer because of people not accepting the truth um really you know but they they have that sovereign choice and if it's not an alignment you can walk away you can put up some boundaries and at the end of the day i don't have any energy for that and so i do have energy to write about that experience and get published in the media so i can get more exposure so i can that's the ludicrous that's the ludicrous that's the ludicrous of trying to do something right because you can get mired into i'm gonna try i'm gonna try i'm gonna try sometimes you just can't try with said individual because it will zap your positive energy to try to reach out to those that are connecting and are looking at the data and whatever. But it's, especially when we're empaths at the same time, you're fighting yourself sort of on so many fronts to be compassionate, but you, there is a fine, there is a Mason Dixon line there, unfortunately, like you say, and people have to march to the beat of their own drummer, it is hard to let go when you can't change it. It really is. And when it's years of conditioning in some cases, it's that much harder. That much well, harder. I just kind of get inspired, like, you know, I just to go and be a more pop pitch to be a more podcast or accept invitations to more podcasts or to um, do more speaking engagements or, you know, to continue writing my book or like, you know, to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get more clients so I can make more impact or whatever. You know, right. and so it's like I can either sit here and try to talk with this person or I can go out and do work that's going to create impact. Um, right, because there are receptive ears out there and there's many ears that want to be receptive. They may not even know that yet, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, there is no point in arguing over this. You can echo in the valley. You can, you know, speak in the valley and all of that. Hopefully a reverberation, if you will, is going to resonate with somebody. And, really <laughs> and, then, when you hear, and then when you hear voices that are over and above your own while you're in the valley, that's a good thing. So. And really at the end of the day, like I just, I really like to stay up to date on the latest research when it comes to this topic, because I am not I am not right. The research is right. I am not beholden to a certain position. If the research changes or there's a new development, then guess what? My opinion, my view, whatever, it's going to change. My approach And is that's right. so important that you keep up with it because that's encouraging as long as it's viable data, not not what you already know as we progress. As long as it's progressively viable data in any subject in the world arena, I might add, as long as it's viable and real, and recent, we should be vigilant in keeping up with current data. The past is great. You should never forget the past. Just don't get mired in it. Don't yeah. get mired in it, right? Okay, so I'm going to leave it there unless there's one or two more things you feel as though we should say on departing. And you definitely have an open invite to come back. Yeah, definitely. Did we, you, you, no, I know. Okay, I'm just... great. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to sign off and say goodbye to the audience for today and ask you to hang around just for a quick second. Sure. So 
please resonate on what you heard here today. Take the, you know, everybody has eyes and ears and an old favorite song, Rest in Peace, Tom Petty. Do listen to your heart. It will tell you what to do. It's a, it sounds corny sometimes, but it, it will. It will. We talk a lot about that at our shows. So we'll continue to do so. So we'll say bye-bye for now, and may God bless. Continue to pay it forward. It's the overall message. It is the messenger. No, not me. I'm the conduit. It is the messenger and the folks that come through with these very impactful messages, programs for the betterment of all of us. So we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye for now. May God bless. Peace, everybody. Thank you. What a little indicator. That was wonderful. Thank you for being here. Are you seeing some?